Welcome back to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. I am Julian Guderlai, your show host. And today with me is Vesela Tanaskovic, a climate scientist who's currently in Dubai with a very audacious mission. Vesela is tasked to re-green Dubai's municipality by 10x until 2020. Welcome to the show, Vesela. Thank you, Julian. Thank yeah, you. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm working on afforestation. This is something I've been working on um, ever since uh, 2012, exactly. Uh, so I've started, this is my PhD, so exploring all the different methods on how to uh, re-green the Sahara and to re-green the Sahara in order to sink the historical carbon. And, and if it is the best approach to geoengineering, so to reversing the climate effects humans imposed on the planet. And so after years of research, um, it's shown up to be the most safest way for now to go, uh, just planting trees and planting trees in desert. And I focus on not planting any trees, but planting food forests, so multi-level agroforest resistance um, that are very sustainable in terms of feeding people, feeding the North Africa, which is one of the highest population rise on the planet now. Uh, so yeah. Um, I came to Dubai straight from California, from the Singularity University, where I spent my summer actually enhancing all my climate knowledge through a um, data platform created by one of my co-founders, who is a machine learning expert, Victor Bobini. Yeah. Wow. And now we are here in Dubai actually addressing Dubai Municipality's challenge of uh, greening 10x the areas of Dubai by 2020. Wow, 10x the area of Dubai by 2020. And that is uh, basically two years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really true, yeah. Uh, thank God they have like species that grow super fast here. And there are local species like Moringa peregrina, local and endangered species, which can grow up to 10 meters per year. So we're good. <laughs> we can do it. <laughs> we're very confident we can do it. If we start this year, we can make it happen. And yeah, we're in Dubai, really lucky I mean, to Dubai be here. is known for making uh, decisions and acting on it. So how many <laughs> work yeah. on that? Uh, so it's eight of us in the team, and we have a like board of fifteen mentors, different experts from different fields helping. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's super interesting. Where can people find out more about that? Um, forestforfuture.com. Forestforfuture.com. Yeah, uh, with uh, like so AFF forest.com. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Well, Vesela, I, I truly believe that everybody is some kind of superhero or has superhero like skills. I really believe that all of us have are equipped with a, a mission or a purpose that when we tap into it, when we tap into this massively transformational purpose, we, we enable so much more power than we would in any regular job. And tell us a little bit about yourself there. Like what, what do you feel called to and, and how does that express itself um, in your life that, that enables an abundance of energy? Yeah. Yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. Like I really believe in MPP and yeah. Uh, for me, I think actually I found it very, very early and I have to actually like say something really like cheesy, but I have to thank Cartoon Network for that. So like I was very young, like maybe like four or five, not really, uh, when um, Captain Planet 
started playing on Cartoon Network. Do you know of that cartoon? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, they like, oh, I think watching it on TV, like, oh, Captain Batman, Funny Deers, yay! I, like, really, I was uh, like a geek for that cartoon. I wouldn't miss the show. So, yeah, I mean, always, like, since I can remember about myself, this, the only thing I ever wanted to do is save the planet. I don't know even, like, sometimes I would question myself, are you saving the planet? For what are you saving the planet? The planet will always be there. There is no need to save the planet. You have to save the humans or, like, you know, just question yourself. But, yeah, I mean, working for the environment was always what I was working on. Cool. And I was just getting more clear. person. I like it. That's... That's really that's really fitting, and I'm I'm, I'm happy I'm not alone to call people superheroes because um, yeah we grow up with this world where there's superheroes all around us, so why not see them yeah. ourselves, right? Oh, you know, I want to have this connection with my own planet. Like yeah. it was like everything that's happening here. Yes, of course we are shitting on our planet, which is completely true. Uh, but uh, it was like I want to, you know, I really want to connect with this planet, and now with this exponential technologies and, and singularity being here and here, you know, we we really have this opportunity. And I think the more we connect with each other and and with with our like fellow living beings on the planet, animals and and plants, we'll see we'll develop like higher levels of empathy. I, I really believe in that, and we'll just we'll have to be better human beings. It will just happen, and I think technology will enable that to happen. Wow, I, I love where you're going with this because you're basically weaving um, nature and humanity and values and being being like as you say, better human beings and technology all together into like forming our our shared future. Um, give me a little bit more about that. So, how do you see that? Do you do you foresee us becoming? possibly a multiplanetary species going to the Pandoras that are out there? Or, or do you think like our job is really like um, cleaning up planet Earth or um, from a, I mean, you're a, a climate scientist, so it's, yeah. it's interesting to have you, have you on this call and, and understand your perspective on all that. Yeah, so like, uh, I actually think that we need to become multiplanetary species in order to save humanity from any future cataclysmic events. We don't know what will happen. I hope that it does not happen because of us, but I think that we will have to save this planet before we go to any other planet. So I don't like going to Mars, let's like shit off the earth and let's just fly off to Mars, you know? No, I really think this is not the way. And um, we really have to take care of our home before we go out and we have to make it really, really healthy. And we have to save as many species as we can from the largest extinction going on ever on the planet now, right now. And mm. um, so I, I really believe that, yeah, this is the way. I mean, I, I see somehow that it will happen simultaneously because I really think that technology will advance super fast in the next 10, 20 years and allow us to become empathetic to our surroundings. And it will also, like, for example, in Dubai now, you have a Ministry for Happiness and you have a Happiness Index. So, like, this just is like, this is very important. Like, how I feel, how you feel, it's very important to the government. And this is like, this is somewhere, it's a good path. I like where this is going. 
And one of the things that is on happiness index that they want to introduce, it's not yet, but we are talking to them now to introduce it, it's the green areas. So because seeing just green makes you happy. And especially for a lot of expats that are now living in Dubai, green, just the color, is something that's missing a lot. So if they put it on the happiness index, um, which we hope they do, it will be good for our business, but it will also be very good for the planet, you know. Um, like we see some something like that, I see it happening also in Europe. I hope it happens soon in Europe. This will just connect us more. Yeah, it's something you just um, shared there made me think of a TED talk I watched with the, um, hmm, at the time, the mayor of Tirana in Albania. And I believe mm -hmm. the story goes like this, that he had very small budgets to make a social impact in his community because the city of Tirana didn't have um, budgets to abundantly spend on everything. So they decided to actually um, apply color therapy and paint um, big murals. Basically what they did is they just painted colors on um, former Soviet housing blocks. And the change of behaviors in the human psychology and, and the, the, the way we, people live with each other, like decrease of crime rates, decrease um, of, of um, psychological aids needed. Like people were overall happier simply because they were exposed to more color and different colors. So um, I totally dig this. I think there's, there's plenty of proof about that. But then on top of, what, of, of just the color therapy, what you guys are doing in Dubai at this point is basically you're re, not just regreening, but you're, you're literally bringing plant life and oxygen and a form of um, kind of understanding that, yeah, we, we are building cities around the world, but we're also part of nature. We, we are part of this cycle that, um, that needs trees and plants as much as it needs humans. No, definitely. I, this is really what we're working on. And we, we really hope to be able to um, influence Dubai municipality and, and laws in Dubai more. Uh, we are even thinking of like proposing some laws where they'll have to put like uh, green facades, you know, on each building. Because Dubai has so many uh, glass buildings that they increase by reflecting the sunlight, they increase the inner temperature of the city so much. Right. You know? So if you, like, if you put shaders or if you put better even plants, you'd, you know, you'd save so much uh, human electricity on, on cooling down the buildings and let alone the inner city temperature. And Dubai is one of, like, the air in Dubai is quite polluted, so it's not um, a good air quality. So introducing new especially green walls is on a way to go you know for the city wow i um I, I it makes me smile personally to be honest because first <laughs> of all trees make me smile i live on the west coast of canada in a, a rainforest so I, I, mm. I, am, I am a big tree lover but you know what actually makes me smile is how simple it can be because i mean we we are a nature creature on a, a green and blue planet which also happens yeah. to be the name of the show um and as we're building these high-tech cities, we, we are reminded at some point that if we are not in an abundant green zone, something is off, right? So let me ask a question here specifically. Are you guys also planning on, um, on, on, on growing food or, or is it just green for happiness index and air quality? And 
So what uh, what we are working on, so our core technology is a data analytics platform that is able to locate the areas all across the world where which can be green within five years or less. So and in this method, uh, what we are doing is we are preserving water, growing food forests. So in Dubai, it's like an ecosystem restoration approach. So it starts by introducing local species and building on top of local species with new like agricultural species. So yes, we are planting food forests and they're multi-level food forests. And it depends on the region and of course of the farmer's wishes what it will be producing the food forest. But it's always connected to uh, ecosystem restoration and benefiting the local ecosystem and endemic species in that region. They are always sixty percent represented, and yeah, the forty percent is for agriculture. Mm -hmm. Wow! So multi-level, you said. So that means hydroponics and building upwards as well. No, it's actually it's uh, very much biomimicry. It's looking if you look at now the native forest, like real forest, like primavera forest. It has usually some seven layers. Yeah. So the first layer is the the canopy. Then you have the, the mid-sized uh, mid trees, then the, sh the shorter trees or the shrubs. And then you have uh, a little like um, uh, vines that grow up. You have the cover, so the ground cover. Then you have the root plants. And you have um, like the windbreakers, the, the tisks and shrubs that work like that. So these would be the seven natural layers of the forest. And wow. it's just picking within each layer, picking the correct species you want to bring into the ecosystem you're creating. This is fascinating for me. I'm like totally mind blown because um, <laughs> I feel like, like literally, we, we talked about that before we started this recording. This is literally what I want this world to turn into. So I'm so glad it's happening. I'm also very happy. Like uh, for me, it's been an awesome ride. Like, uh, yeah, I, I, like I finished my PhD research prepared for the fate and then it all began and I still haven't had a chance to go to Vienna for like only a month to defend this so I hope to do that very soon <laughs> but yeah everything is like really fast and I'm happy that people are open to this and I'm happy that people are interested in supporting our project actually yeah yeah I mean really you said something very very um remarkable there a couple minutes ago that you believe in a multi-planetary existence yet what I heard you say basically is that first we got to, well, heal the planet or save the planet or clean up the planet. Or in other words, first we got to understand our own planet. And from what I've heard people speak about, from what I've read, from my own, the own opinions I'm forming and the, the people I have on the show, what I'm realizing is that as we're possibly becoming a multiplanetary species, I think we are inevitably going to reach this level of consciousness, this state of consciousness, this state of awareness that it takes to be in homeostasis, to be not just sustainable on the planet, but to actually regenerate the planet's energy um, even before we get to leave this planet. So I think, to be honest, in my own words, I think it comes, it comes together. It's like a shared path of leaving this planet and becoming aware of the overall holistic health of this planet. What I'd love to understand from you, Vesela, is like you've just been to Singularity, now you're in Dubai. So you're you're kind of moving through the the apex of our global tech society. Um, how does that 
weave in with nature? Like, like how does how, how do you, how do you feel people receive nature and and afforestation as a topic? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I just like I just have to go back to one point that you said about like us understanding the planet because I really really think you're like super right on spot there because like. I don't know if you know this, but Sylvia Earle, she's like this amazing wonder woman, scuba diver, scuba babe, the most uh, uh, like accomplished scientist in underworld. She says something which is very much true. We know more about the surface of moon and Mars than we know about the surface of our ocean. And this is like sad. Like this is really sad. How come we don't know about our own planet? And yet we know so much about moon, like, or, or Mars. So, yeah, I think you're right. We have to understand our planet. And, and this is where technology comes in. In order to help or heal our planet, we have to understand it. In order for that to happen, we have to map it. We have to know it. We have to collect the data. And data is collected through technology, like the best way so far. So. Yeah, there was a recently an, uh, an X-Prize open, and I think it's still running on um, the best like ROI, like underwater drone that goes and maps the, the areas. So it's still ongoing for all the people who are listening wow. and may be interested. This is very important, I think. Um, yeah. And uh, it's for me, it's very important. Like ecosystems and diversity of our ecosystems is very important. Preserving our ecosystems is very important. Um, yeah, so like connecting onto the oceans, a lot, a lot of people know how endangered the coral reefs are, you know, as an ecosystem because of climate change I and mean, because of the acidification of oceans that is happening due to excessive amounts of carbon in the air. But not so many people know that the desert ecosystem is the one that is the most endangered because even though deserts were always very warm, this is the most fragile ecosystem that does exist. They do have uh, plants, shrubs, animals, trees, everything. But now with uh, little to no rainfall, where there was usually a season when it rained once a year, a little, it was just enough. Now there is none because of the climate change. So the ecosystem in the desert is now becoming even more endangered. Like you, every day nearly you hear this species is now endangered, this species is now endangered. And, and the, the green areas are not rejuvenating because they usually, we have such, such species in desert that um, re-green with each coming of the uh, uh, rain, they just re-green. They, they pretend to be dead, like they go into this like metastase or I don't know how to explain it, like they're half dead, half alive. But then the, with the first water, they re-green. And after so long, they do not. So yeah, I mean, for me, working on, on afforestation and um, desert greening is actually preserving the desert ecosystems and preserving the, the abundance of this ecosystem, and especially in uh, like healing plants that we don't know. Uh, the very uh, rich plants in terms of like medicine, nutrition, uh, water cleaning. So like this native tree to desert uh, is a genus called Moringa. It has 13 different species uh, from Moringa peregrine, uh, which is native to Arabian Desert and Western Sahara and Sahara, Eastern Sahara, to Moringa Santalopea, which is like Sahel region, and, and Moringa Lithiera, and all the others. Um, they, so Moringa is considered by UN the tree that will save the 21st century. 
and it's such a like healthy tree uh, it's considered a superfood everything's edible from roofs to leaves lethal the, the leaves have like i don't know 27 times more iron than spinach they have so much vitamin a they can be used to really like feed the, the humanity to to save the people from malnutrition especially with like malnutrition in micro elements which is happening now all across america and uh, europe where we have people that have like normal diets but they're actually malnourished they're obese but they're malnourished because they don't have any vitamins and and this species is actually native to desert and we should plant it it's endangered so we have to like help it grow and yeah so i, I like i like i love what i'm doing <laughs> yeah i love what i'm doing wonderful <laughs> that 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 alone gives us so much power i love that you talk about moringa i i um i, I drink moringa tea and uh, uh it's certainly very delicious superfood yeah <laughs> highly recommend yeah. to anyone listening yeah. <laughs> have some moringa tea um yeah. cool so we've talked a little bit about afforestation and technology and greening greening up the planet in, in that sense I'd, I'd love to ask you my favorite question um this is a question mm -hmm. i ask everybody who's on this podcast and this question um goes like this if we as mm -hmm. humanity had a shared vision a shared human vision mm -hmm. a shared vision for planet earth like a 200 year vision what would yours look like how, how would your vision for planet earth look like for the next 200 years for me, um, we'll green the Sahara by 2030, and we actually will do that by engaging the local communities, and I think uh, we're on a good path to do that. Uh, so what my team is working on very hard is uh, acquiring the resources, because we are an NGO, acquiring the resources to publish all the data and put it out for free with all the locations that can be green the fastest, and then engaging the local farmers that live there not to work on the field that is like 10 meters in the desert, but work on this one because this one has much higher chances giving high value crops and products. And then, so yeah, the Sahara, it will for sure be green and um, it will be an abundant food forest. So I think we won't have any famine. But on the other hand, something that really is of my uh, big interest is um, global governance. And because, of course, working in desert greening makes you work with a lot of governments, like we're working now. So the more I work with governments, the more I see that global governance is something that I'm super interested in. And yeah, I mean, I, I have um, a few like sidekick projects that I, I think are very important and I hope to find time for them more. But it's um, how how do we bring all the people together? What is this one thing that is now um, stopping us from from uniting? You know, for me, it's the nation state. I do not see of a nation state <laughs> because uh, no, but I'm celebrating because... with you. I don't know if anybody uh, <laughs> can hear that. But <laughs> going, please. Yeah. No, for me. Uh, so I come from Serbia, yeah. Uh, so since I was five until I was 15, I lived through like four or five different wars, depending on how you count it. And it was all because of a nation state. It's not that I, I don't hate anyone from Croatia, from Albania, from any, I loved everyone. Like this is why I don't consider myself a Serbian or an Austrian. I consider myself a global citizen. And the sooner we create a blockchain passport identity connected to UN, 
the sooner we'll all be able to renounce our national identities and become global citizens. And for me, technology is the thing that will enable this. So like, yeah, blockchain is the thing. UN is already working on blockchain identity. The sooner they open the blockchain identity to a mortal and say, okay, if you want to be a UN citizen, you can, global citizen, or you can be your nationality. And I think these millennials will all like rush to become global citizens, and I hope that they come very soon. Yeah, I mean, this is really, really important. And, and the other thing which is important for me is um, global taxation. Yeah, I think our governments all have to realize that we have to have a unanimous taxation system to enable everyone. So if we want to have any time soon the basic income, which um, I don't know if I'm pro or against because I don't see so much benefits in it, but we need to have an anonymous taxation system so that you don't have tax havens, which in some sense is the why as well, but that you are actually incentivized to pay your taxes. And then if it's a global government, they are redistributed equally everywhere in the world. No, it's very utopian, but I see. <laughs> well, we're talking two hundred years, so it, part yeah. of two hundred years is because I, 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 I enjoy to hear people's moonshots. I enjoy to um, hear people dream outside of the box of contextual agreement and 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 the ways we grow up and the ways our minds are conditioned. Because, um, yeah, I'm very much on the same page as you. Nation states are, they are a logic of the past, and I'm not saying they're wrong um which possibly they are but, but but i'm not saying they're wrong it's just that they, it's a system that was invented at a very different stage of consciousness at a very different stage of humanity and, and now that we have access to technology and the blockchain and decentralized realities it, it just doesn't make sense anymore and as you said like you're you're serbian right i'm i'm, I'm german by, by passport and um and german canadian by choice and um certainly see myself as a global citizen and when i look into my actual identity it's not a german identity it's it's a cultural identity it's a cultural identity to europe to bavaria to uh the world to the places i've been to to the 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 food i was i was being offered to the the dances i, I was able to dance to the music i'm listening yeah. to. and yeah. as you said like I, I i think a lot of people actually are so pure in their love and like yeah I, I love everyone this is something i want to stretch as well but you know why we love each other because when we share food and dance and song there's no reason not to love each other it's, it's only for the fictional identities of uh, a country or a government or um somebody in leadership that starts a war over something um, minuscule or obsolete that, that we actually fight and we, we go into separation. I think we, like, I always think, of course, there, there are so many possibilities, but what I see is like this two or one possibility in which we have this global governance and we have this very local, like very regional, like, I don't know, like city or like a little bit outside of city governance. That, mm -hmm. either, that work together closely, you know? And this is where you're coming, like the culture. Yeah, it's culture is what, what builds you, you know? But then now, like for, for me, okay, yeah, I, I did live most of my life in Serbia. So yeah, I can say that uh, culture-wise I was shaped by that. But then the moment you change your surroundings, the culture changes as well, you know? So this is why I think we need to have this global, um, global nationality. And when you think about it, nation states are so young. They're like 100, 200 years old. Nation states did not exist before that. 
there were kingdoms and, and stuff like that, but nation state is its current formation is a very, very young thing. Absolutely. And then there is, there is this phenomenon of the overview effect, right? When people leave the atmosphere of the planet and look back and see, oh, we're all on this green and blue dot together. Um, and we just talk about multiplanetary existence. And, and we know that people in Dubai and the West Coast of America um, talk about um, that, that quite a bit as well. So I think it is, and I, I, I know for a fact that Elon Musk just showed a presentation a couple of weeks ago about um, one yeah. cargo ship to Mars in 2022. So that's five yeah. years from where we are today. So I think um, this is becoming a reality as our technology is exponentially upgrading. And what it really like brings up for me personally, and, and maybe we can talk about that for, for a minute or two here, is the term evolution. It's like as if we when we talked about evolution when I grew up in school or with anyone else, it's as if it's a history book and as mm. if Charles Darwin made the laws of it. But evolution mm. is something that happens every day. It's what we're Yeah. Like. yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I agree with you 100%. Like, I'm of, of that part of evolution, I'm very scared. Like, there I see, like, some... I'm, I don't know. I hope we very, very soon uh, develop some very intense and strong empathetic tools that will connect us all. Uh, otherwise, I'm like very scared about like our evolution because you, you're so right. It's not a history book. Now, like in in August, the first uh, human edited embryo was uh, released in US. So, like, yeah, of course, we have. Now we have all the tools that you can imagine to completely change the path of evolution. And the only thing that is uh, a barrier to this is for your financial resources. So if we are not moving very faster to the abundance, the quality, Peter Diamandis talks about so much where everybody has so much money and everybody's fine. We are about to face a, like a human bifurcation of the species. We'll have the super ultra mega rich that are genetically enhanced, that do have gene modification of neuralase, that do have implants and chips that are connecting them to internet, and they're super, super smart, probably with their own AIs enhancing or augmenting their realities. In the most like nice and perverse way you can think, but then on the other hand, you'll also have the humans that are not enhanced in any way that are coming not even doesn't even have to be like africa it can be europe it can be america silicon valley is the most poorest place i've seen like i've never seen so much misery that i've seen there like as i said 10 years i lived in wars but I, with all the refugees i never seen so many homeless people as i've seen in, in san francisco mm. so like wow. just looking in the silicon valley you can see that this is already happening like they have such glorious, such rich people. And yet those same people allow tens of thousands of homeless people on their street that they just keep and cross over. Like maybe I'm too European, but like, I don't know. I try to be very good, but for me, this is not the way I want to see humanity growing. Like definitely not the way. So yeah, I mean, we have to address this fast. Fast, 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 super fast. We have to work on the empathy, especially in the tech world, advancing empathy in the tech world. Super yeah, interesting what you're saying. So part of our evolution, um, you would say, is 
creating empathy, living empathy, being empathetic, and, and kind of furthering possibly the discussion of values and shared human values? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like you, you, you are exposed to all this tech world, and like you know, it's uh, everybody is like, yeah, we we want to do this sustainable, blah 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 blah. Then you just like walk over the the first homeless person you see. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. I, um, I can share a little personal anecdote, and 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 it it it's just it's just a, a funny like little thing that happened. So I'm part of a, a project that's called Exploration Center, and um, we're a group of very dedicated people that is um, forming a part of the future of education. And um, we, we did a very successful crowdfunding campaign here in, in uh, Vancouver, on Vancouver Island, raised $170,000. We're planning to open doors of the first school in the fall of next year, um, working on that very, very hard actually, because building a school and a school with values and compassion and um, kind of human values at the core, but then also with exponential technology, um, it's something that hasn't really been done yet. And and please correct me if I'm wrong. People listening out there, like I, I'm I'm happy to be inspired by any project. Um, mm. So so it's it's an it's an interesting kind of journey because it's not just some business numbers and some facts, and then you buy a place and you open up doors. Living those values and defining them, and then also walking that walk with each other is an actual journey. And we were on a phone call with um, the. Um, the principal of Ad Astra, which is um, the school Peter, sorry, um, Elon Musk founded in, at um, SpaceX campus. And we were, we were listening to him and, 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 and certainly like an enlightening perspective around exponential technology. And we were like, oh, wow, like you guys are really doing the doing around exponential technology and giving kids access to that. It's a very privileged school because it's a very small school. Um, but that's that's good as well because we need we need all kinds of different models when we asked him about mindfulness meditation and nature time he kind of blanked and said well we're at spacex campus um there's very little nature here and we moved on we didn't even touch on meditation or mindfulness and we were talking about nature for like 30 seconds and i was like wow that's that's scary to me personally because the, at the core of my being i mean even if we are evolving into um, some form of uh, yeah, a, a cyborg organism, even if that's our future, we still are truly nature at the core of ourselves. Nature is yeah. our. No, I, I understand. Like, I don't know. If, if I don't do my meditation, I, I cannot function. Like, I feel so lost like i have my own rituals and stuff and it, it is yeah, yeah yoga and meditation daily and but yeah i mean i think this is like i don't know um have you, have you read maybe the book revolution of russell brand um no i haven't read russell brand's book but we yeah no this is one of my absolute favorites and it, it is like it, it does talk about how it empowered him himself and how this is more like his 200 years vision for the future and it everything comes back to the humanity to the core of uh, of us and who are who we are and how we interact and connect with each other and regardless of all technologies i think it always has to come back to this individual to individual like human level are like who are you like 
who are you? You know, this is very important. And, and what are your values? And how are you showing your values? How are you sharing your values? You know, so, so for me, yeah, like um, I met this actually really amazing person um, during my, my summer in Singularity. Uh, his name is um, Kevin Adler. And he started this uh, NGO in, in uh, San Francisco after he finished his Global Solutions program in Singularity, like two years ago or something like that. And it's called Miracle Messages. So he solely focused on finding homeless people and helping them reconnect with their family, with their families or their friends or somebody who can help them transition back into normal life. And um, yeah, it's like amazing what he, he goes and interviews them and this is the thing this is the empathy he's using exponential technologies such as videos and broadcast and internet to bring these people closer to home so yeah i mean this is one way to go beautiful beautiful <laughs> well Vasila, thank you so much for taking the time for um for this episode for being on the show and for sharing your vision for planet earth and your dream and um uh, well thank you captain planet <laughs> yeah, thank you so much again for having me. It's been really a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> I hope you love this episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast with Vesela Tanaskovic talking about regreening the deserts of Dubai, global citizenship on the blockchain, and being Captain Planet. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast either on iTunes or your favorite Android app. Have a look at greenplanet-blueplanet.com and be part of the Facebook group also called Green Planet, Blue Planet Podcast.